0: Good morning, everybody. We are continuing in this series of messages about the promises of God. And today we make the transition from the Old Testament promises to the New Testament promises, or the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. The big promise we read about in the New Testament is that through Jesus Christ, salvation is made available to everyone who will repent of sin and turn to God. This is a new and better promise made by God to people. In the Bible, there are thousands of promises made by God, and we all make and receive promises, but the only being capable of keeping every promise is God. We hope that the promises of God will help you see your problems as a part of the process God is using to transform you into the person He wants you to become. You can listen to this sermon and every sermon in this seven-week series at neartownchurch.org. So in this series, we've read about these promises to humanity. We find them in the Old Testament. Through Adam and Eve, God promises, I am with you. I am still here. Through Abraham, God promises, I have a plan for you. Through Moses, God promises, if you obey, you will be blessed. And through Moses, God also gave his people the law to obey. Through David, God promises, I will provide a king who will save. There are many more promises in the Old Testament. But the most important thing for you to understand is that all of God's promises are spun into the scarlet thread that ties the Old Testament into the New Testament's revelation of a much-needed Savior. You see, even with all the Old Testament promises and clearly established laws, people will reject God. This is the problem God solves through Jesus the Savior. Near the end of his life, God told Moses, to write a song about Israel's inclination to defy God. It's a song about them, but it describes every human heart, including yours and mine. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 20. God is speaking. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when my evils, or when many evils, troubles have come upon them, this song shall comfort them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today, before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give. Moses hears these words after leading Israel out of slavery and into forty years of life in the wilderness. He has seen the effect of sin on the human heart lived out by this people for forty years. They walked on ground shaking with the glory of God, yet they sought the pleasures of God. Verse 20 perfectly describes the human response to the Old Testament promises. They have eaten and are full and grown fat. They will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And this would be a way of life for them for thousands of years, and they are a living example of the need for a Savior. Israel has rules and promises from God, but they rejected God's ways. This is not good, and it is not uncommon. People left with only rules and promises will always try to live without God. Our hearts must be transformed. Every one of us can know God's promises and understand His clearly established boundaries. Yet without a real heart change, we will always turn to other gods. Think about it. Why would anyone try to live without God as he has revealed himself in the Bible? The Bible says that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Why would anyone reject this relationship? It's because we don't like living within the limits God has set for our lives. And we won't naturally love living within the boundaries God has designed for us to live within. So so I want you to think about a Broadway show. We love watching these performances with incredible acting and singing. A little over a year ago, Jeannie and I took our daughter Keaton to New York City where we watched a couple of shows. What makes these performances so special is that each person knows the boundaries for their part in the show. They know where to stand and what to say or to sing, and it's all perfectly synchronized by a script led by a director who sees how it all should work to tell a story. Life is like this where God is the director who knows what story to tell the world and what part we are going to play in it. But there's something within us that naturally defies God's direction and boundaries. It's nothing less than defiance, and every human is born with it. When we read the Old Testament, it's like we're reading about a people who are unwilling to play their part in God's script. When we search our own hearts, we feel the urge to do life apart from God. So God tells Moses to write this song about Israel's defiance, but God also speaks later through prophets like Jeremiah, promising to save people from this iniquity. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 31. Behold the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, my covenant which they broke though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. This is a new promise. I will put my law in their hearts and write it on their minds, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Through Jeremiah, God says there will be a new and better promise written on people's hearts, making eternal forgiveness of sin possible. And as we've seen throughout the series, this is the promise of a Savior. As we read the Old Testament narrative, we sense their need for a Savior. I don't mean that they need another brave king because Israel had several of them. I don't mean they needed another bold prophet because Israel had those too. I don't even mean that they needed a mediator because Israel had the best priests. And of course, as we consider our own time, we still feel the need for a savior. I don't mean another brave president because we've had the best of those over the years. I don't mean we need another outspoken leader because we have many who speak loudly. I don't mean we need a new spirituality because there's plenty of religious ideologies. When we read the Old Testament story and we consider our world today, our hearts beg for someone who can be all three, a brave prophet to speak truth, a kind priest to make sacrifice, and a skilled king to establish an everlasting kingdom. We need a savior who's both divine and human. His divinity will enable him to live without sin and his humanity will connect us to him. let me take some of these ideas out of the clouds and help you think about when we are most aware of our need for a savior. It's when we're hungry or angry or lonely or tired or bored or stressed. And let me say that again. When we are hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored and stressed, we put on display with our actions how much we need God's intervention with a savior. This is when we have the hardest time living within healthy boundaries. We are least able to access self-control. We act out hurting ourselves and others. We attempt to self-soothe in unhealthy consumption, promiscuity or play. This is when our attempts at being our own savior fail us. But There's good news. God has promised to send this savior throughout the Old Testament and we read about him in the New Testament and his name is Jesus. Now, we make the transition here from the Old Testament promises to the New Testament promises. The big promise we read about in the New Testament is that through Jesus Christ, salvation is made available to everyone who will repent of sin and turn to God. And the way to accept this promise is repentance, and repentance is turning to God. This is the message of John the Baptist who God brought from the wilderness to prepare people for the arrival of Jesus. The Bible says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the message of John the Baptist in Matthew chapter three, verse two. Repentance is turning to God. And we know where to turn when we see Jesus the savior. Jesus also preached this message in his first sermons, Matthew chapter four, verse 17. From that time Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This begs the question, why would we choose Jesus as our savior? Here's why. Jesus did something for us that we could never do for ourselves. He lived a perfect sinless life, making his death on the cross the payment we owed God for sin. He perfectly obeyed God's law, making him the only acceptable sacrifice to pay for sin and although the evil one struck at the cross, Jesus crushed evil at the resurrection. This gives us the hope of new life. This is why we choose Jesus as Savior. We receive the promise of God of salvation by turning to God through faith in Jesus as Savior. This is the Christian gospel, and it is good news to all who will accept it. We're familiar with the need to repent in life, but oftentimes we turn to gods who are unable to do the much needed transformation of our hearts we tend to repent and turn to another list of rules that we'll not be able to keep. There's a story about a woman in her late 20s who's searching for purpose and peace. She's well-liked by others, attractive, and has a morally upright family. But she knows something is missing. She has plenty of friends, a good enough job, and supportive family, but she's lost. So she tries to find salvation by turning to her work, but she's left wanting because... Her good job is not a great job, and she knows she needs more. So she tries to find salvation in a man. He's good-looking, gainfully employed, and fit just like her. But there's a problem. He's not a good savior because he is imperfect just like her. So she tries to find salvation in the precisely worded self-help ideology of those who attempt to convince her that she can be her own savior by looking deep within. She lives by a man-made set of rules that sound good but are impossible to keep. In this discomfort, she feels that none of these things satisfy. They become too much, so she turns to drinking, sexual licentiousness, and overeating to feel better. But that doesn't work either. In fact, those things only worsen the feelings of living disconnected from any real purpose for her life. She's turning to false saviors, and she needs to hear God's promise of salvation through Jesus. What I'm asking you to do is repent and turn to God as He has revealed Himself through the biblical authors for the salvation you need. Just as Israel's list of rules, or team of priests, or fancy tabernacle fell short of providing the salvation that tr- transforms their hearts, every false savior you choose will leave you burned out and beat up without any real heart change. Only God can change your heart and give you a new life, and it begins with you turning to. God with faith in Jesus as the new and better Savior. We turn to God in repentance as an acknowledgment that we have sinned by trying to live without God, much like those Israelites for whom Moses wrote that song. They have eaten and are full and grown fat. They will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, For whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. We repent, admitting our need for a Savior, and God promises salvation for anyone who turns to Him through faith in Jesus Christ. But there are consequences for those who are unwilling to accept God's invitation to repentance. The Bible says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up for yourself wrath for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. Let me tell you again this promise. Through Jesus Christ, salvation is made available to everyone who will repent of sin and turn to God. This was the message of the early church. So in Acts, Paul's preaching to this intelligent Group of leaders in Greece in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Listen to verse 31. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he has proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. We accept this promise of salvation by turning to God, believing that Jesus is the Savior who can begin to transform our hearts. And the actual sign of repentance is water baptism to symbolize cleansing from sin. So let me ask you plainly, in acknowledgment of your need for a Savior, will you accept this promise of salvation through Jesus by turning to God? If you do, you'll be forgiven for the times you've sinned. You'll become a new creation with the Spirit of God in you to enable you to stay within the limits God has established for you to experience peace. You'll be saved from the eternal consequences of your sin. You know, over the years, I've passed on this good news many times to people just like you. And I've had many people reject the invitation. But nearly every time the rejection of this good news is not because the person is unwilling to admit their need for a Savior, or even that Jesus could possibly be God in the flesh, It's almost always because the person has had a bad experience with the church or someone who claims to be a Christian. And it's sad, really, because the hurtful actions of others should actually drive us to our need for a Savior, not turn us from it. Sin is why God promised a Savior. Sin is why God became flesh, asked Jesus to pay a sacrifice we could not pay for ourselves. So I will ask you again, will you accept this promise of salvation through Jesus by turning to God? This is my call to action for those of you who have not yet crossed the line of faith, that you'll accept God's promise of salvation through Jesus Christ. If you'd like to do this, let us know so we can disciple you in the faith. Now, for those of you who have already crossed the line of faith, do you recognize an area of your life that is being lived outside of God's established boundaries for your good and for His glory? Are you a part of the cast, yet trying to live by your own script off the stage where God's glory is on display? Will you repent of that and return to God? We're all still tempted to live as if we are not God's children and sometimes we find ourselves looking more like a non-believer than a believer. We must return again to God to experience the peace as a child of God. If this is you, I want to challenge you to reach out to your small group leader or one of your pastors who can lovingly join you in your return to God. So that's it. This concludes the Uh, this part of this series of messages and the promise of God that we hear today is that Jesus makes a way for us to be saved and we accept it by turning to God in faith. So let's think on and pray about these things.